Hello, all you Covey Clubbers and Reinventors. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I'm the founder of CoveyClub.com and of this podcast. And I'm really excited to bring to you today somebody who does the thing that you're going to do and that everybody or yourself is talking yourself out of, which is you see a need gap in the market. You pick up some item, you see some item, you watch something happen and you say, why didn't somebody do a better job on that? And all of us have looked at that. We have seen it in our lives and then... The second thought in our mind is, oh, well, if there really was a market there, somebody else would have done it. Or somebody else says that to you as soon as you're all excited about designing a new type of whatever it is for the market that you've seen. It's called a need gap. And what I love is that our guest today, Sharon Linder, has actually done it. She saw a need gap in a very unusual area. And she did her homework, she did her research. She was not like a McKinsey and an analyst. She didn't have any fashion experience. She didn't know how to sew. She didn't have all the background you should have for this. She she had worked at IBM in marketing, nothing to do with making gowns for hospitals or breast examinations that were comfortable and not too embarrassing to wear. But she said, this has got to be, I got, there's got to be something better. And what she found out is there wasn't. And she went out there and did it. So this is her story about seeing a need gap and rushing into fill it. And I think I would say 90% of you listening out there, this may be how you end up in your entrepreneurship. You may there and it may be something that's good. She's going to tell you the steps you need to take to make sure that it's something that's worthwhile doing, that you know your competition, that you understand what the problems are and you can fix them, and then how you get started. It's a wonderful story. So I welcome Sharon Linder. So, Sharon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Leslie, for having me. So I want to talk about you're making a product that you found a what we call in the entrepreneurial world, a need gap. We saw a gap in the market. We came up with it. Let's talk a little bit about your history um, because you didn't start in the fashion business or design or sewing. What did you what did you grow up and and start out doing and where did you grow up? I always like to hear people's history of themselves. Well, I grew up in um, Manchester, New Hampshire, and um, I've had a, a couple of different lives. Um, the first being after graduating from high school, I went to college to become a speech pathologist. Oh, and I went to Emerson College in Boston. Mm -hmm. And um, from there, um, I went to the University of Vermont and got a master's degree and uh, and then moved to Connecticut uh, to get my first job in a regional high school. Um, And after that, um, or during that time, actually, I met somebody who said, you know, you'd be really great at IBM. 
And I thought, well, IBM, you know, I, I was a child of the 70s. I thought, they make bombs. Why would I go there? Anyway, I interviewed at IBM and left my speech pathology world behind me, my speech and hearing, and worked for IBM for the next 32 years. In what area? And, Why would somebody think that a speech pathologist would be great for IBM? Like, what was there a segue I, there? I, no, none at all. I think he was somebody who had worked at IBM uh-huh. and was now in his father's lumber business. But I just thought I reminded him of a lot of the people who had been successful at IBM in marketing. In marketing? And, okay. Yeah, I guess maybe just, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure what made him think that, but he was right. Um, I went to IBM and had 32 really great years. Um, wow. it's, a great, it's a great company. They do more than make bombs. They make really great computers. They give to um, the communities in which they do business. Um, and it was a great experience. And you were a marketer. And I was a marketer. Yeah. Wow. And I think okay. probably that's what I meant to be. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And then from there, um, after I, I left IBM, um, I, I really, uh, having worked all those years, I felt that um, I was not ready for retirement. I really wanted to do something else. And I was kind of looking for things to do. And I wasn't thinking of patient gowns, or I wasn't thinking of women's health, but both my sisters and my mother had had breast cancer. They all survived, um, but I was very um, diligent about being, uh, you know, being examined. I was in several sister studies, and um, lo and behold, I looked around me, and I could see while I was in the waiting room of places having breast exams that the skinny girls were freezing in their little gowns and the big girls were basically falling out of their gowns sort of clutching everyone was clutching their gowns uh, in in different ways waiting for perhaps the worst news of their lives and I thought boy there's got to be a better way right um so I just went on a little mission to find out about um, options and how how gowns are made and how hospitals and breast health centers um, buy them and what they look for. And it was a real, it was almost uh, 18 months of uh, due diligence, of looking into all these things. And I, I found that really fun. I, I just loved trying to figure it out. And I would say that is, um, I don't know what, well, there were a lot of high points, but that was one of the high points of just trying to figure out how to do this. And I um, finally, I, I basically realized that a lot of hospitals do not do their laundry in-house, but they go to outside laundries to professional, uh... professional lot. Mm-hmm. And so I met, uh, I introduced myself to the owner of a commercial laundry um, in Massachusetts. I, I'm now in Rhode Island and uh, Massachusetts very close. And that, that person who owned that laundry was incredibly valuable to me. And um, I, I 
I think reaching out to people um, is also something I don't have a problem doing. And I think it is really important as an entrepreneur because otherwise you're just by yourself. What um, did you learn from the laundry people? Because um, is it that it has, it, I mean, all hospital gowns are not the same. It's not like it's coming from one place and they're all laundered one way, right? No. Um, yes, you're right. Um, they're, they're, they, but basically they are made similarly and the certain things that have to um be in them to survive in a um in a hospital laundry and a commercial laundry which is, is you know, they have they have to be very durable um and they have to be easily foldable mm. they can't have ties that maybe are loose like a uh, you know a belt that could come oh, off. fall off. Oh, very good. That could okay. fall off. Um, okay. Yeah, they can't really have Velcro because you can imagine Velcro in a in a laundry. Oh, um, interesting. That's why they have ties. Those stupid ties. Yeah. I never know which way to put it on backwards, inward, exactly. outward. Never. Okay. And then even when you have it on, you feel like you're more naked than if you didn't right. have it on. Mm -hmm. But um, so anyway, that person really helped me. And then I went. Um, did some deep dives dives into um, who, what countries made them. And of course, a lot of the things that hospitals get are from China. Is that and, right? Okay. Right. And in the middle of that, I did find a, a person in China who could make them. But in the interim, I, you know, again, reaching out to people, um, one of my neighbors knew another neighbor who had a business that did a lot of manufacturing in China and had a warehouse um, in Rhode Island. And I went to that person and the owner of that business was also extremely helpful. And he set me up with his um, manufacturing person in, uh, in China. And we started making the, and he was uh, willing to house the gowns and also to fulfill my orders. Oh my, so, wow. Yeah, it was, it was really great. Uh, he was terrific. Um, and he actually even loaned me money, which was another oh thing. Oh my God. I, he was really great. Um, wow. So uh, yeah, in the best of all worlds, here I was. Um, but anyway, so we started, I, I went to my first thought was to sell them to the development departments of um, hospitals. One of the things, the last things I did at IBM was I was um, responsible for IBM's image in the community. And I worked, uh, you know, we had a, a very large fund of money that we could give to different um, uh, different nonprofits. And so I worked a lot with hospitals. And there, you know, there were always kind of, um, you know, uh, different incentives that hospitals had or gifts they were giving away. And I was thinking this would be great that, um, you know, people who donated money could donate these gowns. And, uh, you know, I sort of had this whole um, idea of what I wanted to do. And another uh, point I would bring up is, do not get set in your ways. <laughs> the way uh, you start is maybe not the way you're going to end up. Um, and so anyway, uh, I went to one of the first uh, heads of development in the uh, hospital uh, uh, 
fund. And she said, you know what, we're just going to buy them, buy the gowns, and we're going to put them in our breast health center. And sure enough, that's we they ordered, I think I had to order 2,500 gowns. I think that um, the hospital might have ordered, I don't know, 2,000. And I was in business. And at Holy that moly. time, yeah. And at that time, I... Uh, there, there were, we got a lot of press um, across the country, actually, on um, because it was, uh, you know, ten years ago it was fairly new to think of of hospitals offering um, comfortable, uh, dignified gowns to patients. Uh, now it's fairly common when you go for a mammogram that you have a, maybe a pink gown or something that's a little more comfortable, a little more dignified. Uh, but then it real they re it really wasn't. And um, and why wasn't it? Was it just that nobody ever thought that people wanted to have themselves covered up, or was it just? Let me, was it the guy buying things that just was buying the cheapest item possible, whether it fit anybody or not? Or what was, what was yeah, the thing I, that was going wrong? I think you're right. I think that um, it, they, hospitals have to get the cheapest thing that they can. I think that the patient experience was not as uh, pronounced as it is now. Uh -huh. I think that there are now, there are these, um, I think they're called, well, there are probably several of them, but around here, press gainy um, surveys that after you've been in a hospital, you fill out a, a, a survey of your experience. Oh. And lo and behold, in more recent years, hospitals are reimbursed by their scores. And oh, so I think that's some of new incentive. Right. I think that is because I think in the end, it's always the bottom line. Right. Um, that's what I would think. So they just give you a paper napkin to wear. <laughs> exactly. As long as you're accepting, they'll do it. Uh, right. or even if you're not accepting, they'll do it. Right. But when I, um, it's interesting going back a little bit, when I was doing the 18 months of due diligence, I did speak to several doctors and one of the doctors um, had been running a breast health center, which was a radiologist running a breast health center for the past 30 years. And um, she said to me, you know, she sat me down and she said, I'm going to tell you something right now. The patient experience is going to become more and more important important. People are going to care about how they're, you know, they go through the medical process. They're going to want to be more comfortable. And she said, I would also um, make a little bag to put the gown in because I think people are going to start bringing their own gowns because more and more people are getting germ conscious. And Ooh, is that, is that, has that come true during COVID? Yes. Yes, that is very true, and definitely through COVID. Um, but at, at the time, of course, I was selling just to hospitals. I was taking big orders, um, you know, larger orders, and having them drop shipped. But 
then as time went on, you know, they are, our gowns, our Janes are attractive and comfortable and can fill a number of different requirements or needs. So some of my, a couple of my girlfriends said, you know, my mother's going in for a hip replacement. Boy, she'd love one of your Janes. And then somebody said, my daughter's having a baby. Boy, it would be a great nursing gown. So from after a few of those, I decided that I should be able to offer our Janes to to women individually um, so that they, they can give them as gifts, buy them for themselves um, and take them with them uh, to, to their appointments and to the hospital. So um, I expanded a little bit uh, through my website that uh, allowed people, you know, just individuals to buy my gowns. And, um, and so I sort of started, ex you know, expanding um, my audience in terms of different needs. So I have, I still have the breast health centers. I sell to a lot of uh, VA medical centers for women, which is a really interesting group of people who uh, until very recently, VA hospitals, you know, you would think of as being uh, for men from World War II sitting in a, you know, in a, in a hallway in a wheelchair. Well, now um, there are a lot of young women coming back from wars, from our wars or having served. And um, so there's a big need for uh, to meet the need of um, you know, medically meeting the needs of women, young women uh, in VA hospitals. So I've sell to VA hospitals, but I also sell a lot to individuals, um, particularly plus size women, because I think, well, from the emails that I receive, that is really a, a forgotten group of people. Um, it's an underserved group of people. And if you're you know, very overweight. Um, many of those women can't fit into a, a hospital gown, a patient gown, and, you know, are sort of intimidated in even going for an exam because yeah. they know they're, they're not going to be able to come out of the dressing room. Um, so anyway, I, a lot of, uh, a large percentage of my orders are plus size women buying the gowns for themselves. And so what is different about the gown from the little thing they hand you? And is, is it the only the thing they hand you in the hospital or is it the same thing they hand you when you go to your OBGYN, those gowns too? Yep, it's the same. Uh, although some people, uh, some doctors are going towards paper gowns. Um, oh, yes, right. Yeah, yes, maybe yes. skin doctors. Uh, anyway, um, but yes, for the most part, the patient gowns um, are, are uniform for across the country, across hospitals, breast health centers, um, et cetera. And the, in New England, we call um, patient gowns Johnny's. And it's really only a New England term, but um, that's where the name Janes came from. It was sort of a stronger Johnny's. I thought Janes was a stronger name than Johnny's. That's and funny. Johnny, the, the name Johnny's came from the fact that the hospital gowns were open in the back so you could go to the John. Oh, God. Hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Hilarious. So I thought you, it was because like Dick and Jane and but not. Okay. Not. 
no, okay. no, um, no, <laughs> because okay. no, no, we have we have Janes and Jacks actually, okay. Okay. rather than Janes and Dicks. We thought okay. uh, Jacks would be a better term. Okay. Um, yeah. So our Janes are first of all they are meant to open in the front. They are made of this really yummy, luscious soft waffle weave uh jersey knit so they're they're really um they're so comfortable many people buy them as uh pool gowns Um, Uh yeah because or a shower gown I, i have one person who buys them every christmas for her friends um to to just be used as something to hang in the back of the bathroom door uh-huh. Because they're they're lightweight, but yet they're um, they're warm and they're very very comforting. Mm-hmm. They um, they're you know they're very well thought out and for because they were um, designed for hospitals and breast health centers in 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 you know personal individual use they will last beyond your lifetime. I mean uh-huh. because they're. Yeah, because we wash them in our regular washing machines and not, you know, like a, a commercial laundry. Right. So, um, yeah. So anyway, uh, they're they're a good length. They're um, sort of a knee length. They have a uh, below the elbow sleeve, which is sort of a flared sleeve. They have a pocket in the front. They tie inside and outside, um, you know, like a robe. And... Um, they're just very spa-like, um, which is, and I, I purposely wanted them to be very quiet. Um, I wanted them to sort of be uh, the Armani of, of gowns, of hospital gowns. Oh. I didn't want to, I didn't want any bright colors. You or... want to be Versace of the gowns. No, not okay. Versace. Right. Okay. Good point. Um and so they're very, very quiet. They're very understated and they're meant to be that way. And they're offered in this sort of milky white um, material. And I, we offer two different color trims for women and one trim for men. The men's is uh, navy blue with an orange. We have the, the label uh, sewn on the back side of the gown so that it shows it's a little square. And uh, for the women's, we have periwinkle and coral. And um, and it's interesting. Um, I would say 99% of hospitals order coral and oh. 99% of women order periwinkle. Um, oh. Yeah, I think that I think that the gowns, I don't know. It, uh, just why but um well the periwinkle is very pretty and they i think, probably that, think they're being upbeat yeah yeah and sometimes the laundry if they're ordering two different if in a in a hospital if they're ordering two different sizes they will order some of both so that they're easily identified um, in the in the laundry yeah mm. So um, anyway, I it, it's been a wonderful adventure and as rewarding, if not more than my work at IBM. It, wow. um, yeah, I think I've been really lucky to find to land in two different places that have a quality product um, that is a sort of a responsible member of the community. We give um, 
1% of our profits to um, mammog free mammograms for underserved women. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. And, um, and even when we didn't have a profit, <laughs> we sent checks to, um, to the same. Oh, so, um, yeah. So anyway, I think um, it, it, I would encourage any person to, to not be afraid to get into their second act or to become an entrepreneur. But so here's the crossing line. Like yeah. How many oh, of us? Oh, one second. That's okay. Oh. Okay. Do you want to grab that out? Okay. Okay. Oh, they're awful. Hold on. Okay. Yes. You grab I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's all right. No, I don't think I can, but that's fine. That's there. all right. Yeah. Um, we don't care. We don't care about barking dogs. <laughs> but, I do. Yes. But here's the, here's the question for you. How many times do people who are listening today, they see a need gap, they see something that they are like, why is this like this? I could make something better. They need to do blah, 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 just by their personal experience. But then somebody says to them, look, if there really was something there, someone else would have done it. And then you walk away and say, you know, you're right. If there obviously there, you know, there isn't a real need there. What mm -hmm. is the difference between saying, huh, let me explore this. And what is the process of serious exploration that you can do before you commit anything? Well, I think that's, you bring up a good point. I, I think that's exactly what I did is I just really started, I was curious. And I just, I think you do need some curiosity if you're an entrepreneur or if you want to bring a new part, uh, product to the market. I think um, exploration does not cost anything. Um, and I think that you can quickly find out in your initial inquiries whether there's a need for your product or not. And then I think also there is a, there's something in some people like myself that says, I don't really care what you say, I'm going to do this anyway. Um, and I think there's a certain amount of, I think almost any entrepreneur would say, oh gosh, if I knew what I was getting into, I probably yes. wouldn't have done it. So, right. but, but before that time, before you get to that time, there's the time of exploration. And I think it's worth it. It's worth your while just to check it out. And, um, you know, no skin off your nose. I just think it's, um, you know, it satisfies your own curiosity. And what is, what are the like first three steps in checking that out? What are you doing? Are you Googling hospital gowns that look better or how did you start? Uh, yes, I actually started Googling hospital gown designs and, um, and I, really, I think I really knew after being in so many, um, what it would be like to, you know, how nice it would be to have something that opened in the front. Um, I think that, um, my Why daughter, do they open in the back for God's sake? Well, I know. Well, because of the John situation, I think going to the bathroom, however, being on a, you know, yeah. Oh, I think, interesting. Yeah. But okay. when they give, when they give them to women, if you remember, you wear them backwards. Right? Yes. They open yes. in the front, but they're not really ever meant to close. They were right. never really meant to close. And that's why we have such a difficult time with them. Interesting. Yeah. 
But I think, um, yes, I started that way. And then people who knew I was um, looking at, at different options would offer their, you know, advice or the, what they have seen. And my one of my daughters um, said that she was watching a program, I think on NPR or something, and or on PBS, and it was talking about hospital gowns in, um, I think it, it, it was... Uh, Hollywood, California or something. And they were made of this waffle weave. And my daughter called me and said, mom, you've got to see this because they look really great. What a beautiful fabric. So then from there, uh, one thing led to another, I started looking at fabrics. And um, from the fabrics, I then had to find a fabric that was durable. And, you know, to get fabrics that are 100% cotton or 100% bamboo or all of those are great to a certain extent, but not in a hospital setting. And at this point I was only in hospital and breast health center settings. And anything that is going to stay together has to have a, a small amount or an amount of polyester. Oh, is that right? Just because yeah. of the laundering? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm. So polyester keeps the gowns together. <laughs> oh, and, interesting. Um, yeah. And I, as I said, I met with the, uh, you know, the man who owned the commercial laundry. And one of the tests we did was we put one of our, um, you know, prototype gowns in a washing machine and just let it rip for like two weeks oh. and yeah just kept putting it in with other things and yada yada and two weeks uh later we took the gown out and it was like brand new wow your first yeah. round you didn't have one that shriveled up and you had to throw out um no we did have um you know the little ties on yeah. them yeah uh, those kind of shriveled up and if you see them um in your regular hospital. Yeah, model. they're always shriveled up. They're yeah. always shriveled up. So we went on a search for something that wouldn't shrivel up. And yeah, it's so interesting, interesting. Our, our gowns are made in the US, the, the fabric is woven in the US. And, wow. um, but the trim comes from China. Oh, and, interesting. Uh, because it's the only place we could get trim that wasn't 100% cotton. Interesting. So now our gowns, the the ties, you know, remain flat and, um, you know, not shriveled, <laughs> not shriveled up. So as we pull into the end here, tell sure. me just overall, just give me three quick pointers, do's and don'ts. If you were trying to do this yourself, somebody who's listening, something mm -hmm. analogous, they see a need gap, they want to start making something. What are your three best or two pieces of advice to them? I I would say to be to not be afraid to no matter what people tell you to um, explore on again explore the situation before you commit. I think that you can never um, you really cannot take no for an answer. If somebody isn't letting you in the door, 
go to the next door. Um, so I would say a spirit of not giving up at first uh, or, or forever, but at, at the very beginning, it's important to just dig in, whether that's through Google, whether that's through knocking on doors, going to hospitals. I, I actually had a couple of focus groups um, and I think you have to be a little creative. So I would say curiosity and creativity um, and the ability to take the answer no are, are um, ingredients for a, success, a successful product. And do your homework, do your due diligence to see what yes. else is out in the market. And see. Yes, and that that's the exploration part is really right. finding out what your competition is. Um, if there is a true need, you know, just because <coughs> you see there's a need, there may not right. be a need. Right. Um, yeah, and 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 the feasibility of your product is it something that's going to cost you so much to produce that you cannot um, sell it for right. a reasonable price. So I think there's there one thing, I wouldn't be afraid because one thing leads to the ne next. You don't have to know everything from day one. It keeps unfolding and um, in, a, in a really interesting way so that you, know, you don't have to answer all your questions today or tomorrow or next week. Uh, it, they will unfold in time. Great. Fantastic. Now, where can they find you? Where can they find your product? And uh, where do they follow you? Um, well, uh, Get Janes is on Facebook and Instagram. So it's G-E-T-J-A-N-E-S, uh, Get Janes. And uh, we are an LLC. That's another important ingredient is to um, incorporate yourself. Also, our um, logo is um, oh, trademarked so that people can't use it. We never uh, applied for um, oh, a uh, patent because gowns are very hard to patent. Yeah, right, um, sure. But, but you we get a really, and we and really, even if you have a pattern patent, people can change it a bit and suddenly it's your patent doesn't make any difference so um but our trademark is in um so you can go to our website which is great and it's um you know www.getjanes.com and um on that website it can it um there's information on how to get to me my uh, personal phone number and email address. And I'm happy to answer anyone's questions. Um, I'm, I probably have made every mistake you can make so I can maybe help people uh -huh. <laughs> to avoid those mistakes. Right, exactly. Uh, That's why I created Covey is so nobody has to do this all by themselves. It's yes, I'm, I'm totally willing to hold hands with anyone oh, so to sweet. help them. Um, Wonderful. Sure. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Sharon. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Sharon. I thought it was really revealing. It's so wonderful to have a person who does thing that you want to do, but are too afraid to do and has done it. It's so inspirational. 
And if you are interested in more reinvention work and help, mosey on over to the Covey Club site, which is coveyclub.com. And you will find, just enter the word reinvention or reinvent yourself into the spyglass search area on the site. You will find thousands of essays and articles and how to's and Q and A's with people who have reinvented themselves. We know it can be done. And the key is not to do it alone. It is a really tough task to do all by yourself. That's why I invented the Covey Club. And if you want to have the power of other women around you who are smart, helpful, they understand the world out there and they are willing to share, then come join CoveyClub.com. Just hit the join page and you can actually plug right into a warm, welcoming set of amazing women who will support you through this reinvention. I say reinvention is possible. It is not impossible. It's hard. But the one thing I will definitely tell you is do not do it alone. Do it with your buddies. Find women who are reinventing and will join you in the process. And that's exactly what we provide at Covey Club. As we say, we hold a space for you while you figure out what's next. So we also hope that if you like this conversation, you will listen to all the other conversations we have and that something will go off and you will find yourself on your way to your next reinvention. And until next time, this is Leslie Jane Seymour signing off and happy reinventing. Happy reinventing.